Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, my fellow believers, and welcome back to the Combat Bets podcast on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Jason Barron. I'd like to start out this week's episode by recapping UFC 248, which was March 7th from T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Of course, at the top of the card, we had two title fights. The first one was between Zhang Weili and Ioana Uresic for Weili's women's strawweight title at 115 pounds. And then, of course, in the main event, we had Israel Adesanya taking on Yoel Romero for Adesanya's middleweight title at 185 pounds. Now let me start with our co-main event, which is quite possibly the best women's MMA fight in history. It was just an all-action war that really could have gone either way because of how close the numbers were, how close it was looking watching the fight live, and then all the significant strikes that were landed. But ultimately, it was Wei Li that got a split decision win over a very game competitor in Ioana Uresic. And then looking at the numbers of this absolutely epic fight, Wei Li threw 413 total strikes while landing 170, while her opponent Uresic threw 370 strikes and landed 196, so she was a bit more efficient in her landing percentage. And then looking at the body, Uresic landed 32 out of 47 strikes to the body. Wei Li didn't really go much to the body, only landing 11 out of 22 strikes. And this fight was really mostly contested on the feet. And Wei Li actually had to deal with a headbutt. I believe that came in the second round of the fight. That really seemed to open up a cut, cause some bleeding on Wei Li. But despite this headbutt from Uresic as she was going for a takedown, Wei Li was able to recover and still push through. The reason that Wei Li really ended up winning this fight is because of her excellent stamina and her work ethic that allows her to go a full five rounds and not seem like she's tired by the end of it. Truly what an amazing athletic feat that we saw performed by this little Chinese woman that is now at the top of the straw weight mountain. And it remains a very competitive division with fighters like Rosna Mayunis and Jessica Andrade definitely deserving fights against Zhang Wei Li and seeing how they could do against her. And also you could put Uresic against those fighters as well. There's a lot of interesting fights in the talent-rich division of the 115-pound strawweight for, for the women. And it should be interesting to see what fights come of this great co-main event. And then looking at Uresic post-fight, she had a huge hematoma on her forehead and it appeared that her nose may have also been broken and what we saw during the fight in the replay 
was that the hematoma on her forehead was actually caused by a punch from Whaley. It's pretty amazing to me that a woman that is so small that weighs in at 115 pounds can generate that much power to cause that amount of damage on her opponent. It just shows her work ethic, her fundamentals, the ability to throw power shots through all five rounds and always to push the pace. Because Juresic did a really good job of at times keeping her on the outside with her kicks as she does come from a great kickboxing background. But what ultimately ended up happening was that Whaley kept pushing forward and kept landing her punches and her strikes and was really able to be a very effective inside fighter, landing a lot of damage to her head. If you look at the head strikes, actually, she landed 96 strikes to the head out of 305 thrown. And then her opponent, Juresic, similarly also landed 96 strikes to the head, but only threw 230. So the main difference between these two fighters is that Wei Li was throwing more strikes than her opponent, Juresic. And also, while she didn't land quite as many as Juresic, you could see that hers were doing more damage than what was being done to her by uh, Juresic strikes. So you could see the damage was definitely worse and that Wei Li could generate a lot of power with her strikes. And it was really one of the most exciting fights of the year so far in 2020. And definitely the early contender for fight of the year, depending on what happens next in in the UFC. But right now, for me, it's leading for fight of the year in 2020. Go back and watch that co-main event if you haven't seen it. Absolute fireworks going on in there between these two women that did not want to lose. And that's what you love to see as a fight fan. You love to see those competitive fights that are well matched between two opponents that are pretty evenly matched in skills, and then neither of them wanting to lose, both putting their all in the octagon to make sure they come out on top. And for Wei Li, she did get the good fortune of being on the right side of the judges' scorecards. I personally also believe she won the fight because I thought she was doing more damage with her punches and was active throughout the fight while Juresic was having trouble keeping up with the pace of Whaley and also having trouble dealing with the power that was coming back at her and landing on her face. And then looking at the takedowns, Whaley was really the only one to really attempt takedowns as she got one out of eight that she attempted. Her opponent, Juresic, did not attempt any as she wanted to make this a great stand-up battle, which it did indeed end up being. And hopefully both fighters come out better from this and better fighters from this. And hopefully there are no long-lasting injuries because that was an absolutely brutal fight. And you got to really give it up to both women for giving it their all and giving fans a fight that will be remembered for many years to come. Because for me, it was the highlight of the night of UFC 248. And it was great matchmaking by Dana White knowing that Uresic was a fighter that liked to push the pace, that liked to keep it on the feet. And Wei Li was a willing participant in this because we've seen her before in her fights with the ability to 
come in and close the distance against bigger opponents and land her strikes. And that's exactly what she was able to do against an opponent that had just as much heart and great as her in Uresic. And I'm all for a rematch between these two fighters if that indeed does happen in the future. But right now, Whaley reigns supreme and just by a hair over a, a very, very well-trained opponent in Uresic, who of course also showed out outstanding fitness in being able to withstand all those strikes and that huge hematoma on her forehead to last until the end of the round and not get stopped and give a lot of credit to her because she said post-fight that during the fight her head was kind of going on and off and you never really like to hear that because it seems very concerning as a fan that a fighter could not be all the way there and maybe she's doing more damage to herself by continuing to fight but fortunately in the post-fight we didn't really see any reports that Uresic would have any long-term health effects by this absolutely brutal fight. So that is good news, and I wish nothing but the best for these two absolute woman warriors. A great and amazing fight. And moving on from this fight to the main event, which was not nearly as exciting or nearly as legendary as uh, the co-main event, it was between Israel Adesanya and Yoel Romero for Adesanya's 185-pound middleweight title. Adesanya won the fight by unanimous decision, 48-47, 48-47, and 49-46 on the judges' scorecards. And then looking at the total strikes landed here, Adesanya landed 48 and threw 132. His opponent, Romero, only landed 40 and threw only 89 in a five-round fight. That is not enough ring activity to win the title against a very great champion in Israel Adesanya. And then looking at the legs, uh, landed strikes on the legs, excuse me, and Adesanya really won the fight because he was able to land so effectively and weaken the, the legs of Romero. He landed 25 out of 29 strikes to the leg, to the legs, while Romero only landed 13 out of 18 to the legs. So 25 strikes to the leg is a lot. It's when you look at it, it's a five-round fight. It's five strikes around, and that's pretty good. And you could see the damage being done on Romero's legs because there were some welts, and you could see that Adesanya was hitting. His joints in a way that made Yoel's knees buckle and there were some awkward positions that Adesanya's excellent kickboxing was putting Romero in and it was really to Adesanya's advantage to keep the fight on the outside and Romero likes to fight this style where he doesn't really try the whole five rounds of every minute he likes to fight on and off to get some rest during the rounds to conserve his energy for when he does explode and trying to land that knockout punch. And we did and we did see a few explosions from a Romero of some great movement, but it simply was not enough ring activity for him to actually win the title from Adesanya. And I thought it was the correct decision as Adesanya was uh, picking him apart on the feet 
by landing great uh, strikes to the legs with his kicks. Adesanya is one of the best kickers in the UFC, and he showed it once again once again against Yoel Romero in a relatively low-action fight. So if you didn't catch the main event, don't really worry about it. You didn't really miss that much. But if you did miss the co-main event, I really do recommend you checking that fight out because, because it was absolutely legendary stuff from these two women fighters that will really live on for ages and one day likely be in the UFC Hall of Fame for fights. So check that fight out if you haven't. And then, of course, in the main event, as I said earlier, it was relatively low action. And Adesanya said that it was one of the weirdest fights he had ever been in. And it was really weird that during the fight in between rounds, uh, Dan Mergliata, the referee for the fight, said, You guys need to give the judges something to score, almost intimating that the two fighters should try to scrap it out. But Adesanya, of course, did not follow that terrible advice. And he decided to fight his fight on the outside and do exactly what he needed to to do to win. And that's what I would have done against a destroyer like Yoel Romero. You don't want to take any chances. You want to stick to your skills, your great kicks, and your decent boxing acumen. And keep Yoel Romero on the outside. And that's exactly what Adesanya was able to do. And after Romero landed that early punch, that early left in the first round, it seemed like ever since then that Adesanya was even more aware of the danger that lied across the octagon in his opponent, and he was able to successfully mitigate any of those you know, potential pitfalls that could happen against a great fighter like Romero. And despite the low action of the fight, I thought it was a really smart fight from Adesanya, and we'll see if he gets Paulo Costa next uh, to defend his title once again at 185 pounds. And I think the fight against Paulo Costa would be more action-packed because Costa light, does like to push forward, and he won't do what Romero did, which is um, essentially rest during the fight and just wait to explode. So if that fight does happen, look out for that. And in the post-fight medical update, it said that Adesanya would have to get his feet checked out because he might have hurt his feet with all those kicks he was throwing. So we'll see if he did suffer any significant injuries or if Adesanya can get back into the octagon as soon as possible because he's one of the most exciting champions in the UFC. And I think a fight against Paulo Costa would only further his star brand and his popularity so hopefully that fight gets made and Adesanya can defend his title next time against the Brazilian fighter Paulo Costa who did of course beat Yoel Romero by unanimous decision in his last fight out now moving on from the UFC and back into boxing this past Saturday we had a heavyweight main event between Robert Hellenius and Adam Konaki. And actually, the underdog in Robert Hellenius ended up winning the fight by TKO in the fourth round. And early on in this fight, it looked like Konaki was getting the better of Hellenius, landing more punches on the inside and really pushing back the taller man. 
but then the shift in the in the momentum started to change when Hellenius was able to back up Konaki with his jab and land a few straight rights that really seemed to stun the Polish fighter in Konaki and he just couldn't recover from those early shots and then the end came quickly in the fourth round after you rained down some more shots and uh, the referee was forced to stop the fight after he had knocked down Konaki and Konaki didn't really seem to be taking Hellenius too seriously because his defense was really not up to par with the punches that he was being hit with and I think if uh, Konaki had taken his opponent more seriously maybe the outcome could have been different and he could have won the fight but give a lot of credit to Hellenius for coming in as the underdog and winning the fight despite having lost in the past to Gerald Washington. This fight just shows you that anything can really happen in boxing and that any fighter can win on a given night. It could just be their night and that's and early on it looked like it was going to be Konaki's night, but then the momentum shifted and clearly it was Hellenius who took full advantage of his opportunity in a main event card on Fox. And this was potentially to see who would fight the big the big guys in the heavyweight division, the Anthony Joshua's, maybe the Tyson Furies of the world. And it looked like Hellenius put himself right back in the mix to get one of those big fights, while Konaki definitely took a step back because Konaki was eyeing the winner of Wilder Fury 3 in July as his potential next opponent. But of course, now Hellenius could potentially get that fight. We'll see where the heavyweight division goes from here, as there's still a lot of moving parts, and Hellenius beating Konaki is just adding more more to that narrative. So give a lot of credit to Hellenius, the Finnish fighter, for using his significant height and reach advantages to his advantage and ultimately winning the fight before it ever needed to go to the judges' scorecards. A surprising win for Hellenius, but we could see he had good fundamentals from um, his past fights and with only three losses on his record and those to quality opponents in Dillian White and Gerald Washington, it's uh, easy to see that Hellenius has improved from those uh, past losses as he is coming off a TKO win in the second round over Matias Roberto Osorio before, of course, his fourth round TKO victory over the very highly thought of Adam Konaki. So it's back to the drawing board for Konaki and for Hellenius while he still has to improve on his defensive skills. Obviously, his natural size and his reach gives him a big advantage over most opponents. And we'll see if Hellenius can keep getting better and build off this big win over a very high-quality opponent in Konaki. It seemed like Konaki should have definitely taken this fight more seriously as his defense did not look up to the task of keeping a taller and bigger man off of him. And that proved to be right as the end came 
in the fourth round. So if you haven't caught that fight, check out a replay because it's a pretty exciting back and forth fight before the early end to the fight. Now moving on from boxing and back into the UFC, March 14th, we have UFC Fight Night Lee vs. Oliveira from the Giesen Nielsen Nelson Arena in Brasilia. A fight card that takes place from Brazil. The prelims start on ESPN Plus at 2 p.m. And the main card it takes place on ESPN Plus at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. So you're going to want to tune into this fight card. I'm not going to preview all these fights, but it is a very strong fight card. And in the co-main event, we have two Brazilians going at it. And Damian Maia taking on Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns is 33 years old. He's 5'10", 170 pounds with a 71-inch reach. His opponent, Damian Maia, is 42 years old, 6'1", 170 pounds, with a 72-inch reach. We, of course, know Damian Maia as perhaps the greatest grappler or greatest submission artist to ever enter the UFC octagon. And then Gilbert Burns is no slouch himself as he only has three, or three career losses and is definitely a very game opponent on the ground with some submission victories himself. Damian Maya has had an absolutely legendary MMA career, having been in there with some of the greats in the game. He's been in there with guys like Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen, Roy McDonald. Gunnar Nelson, Carlos Condit, Jorge Masvidal, Tyron Woodley, Kobe Covington, Kamaro Usman, and most recently Ben Askren. And his record is 28-9. and And out of those 28 wins, only 3 are by a knockout, 14 are by submission, and 11 are by decision. And he only has one loss by knockout, and the other 8 losses are by decision. So what these numbers show is that Damien Mayob really wants to submit his opponent. 14 submission victories is really an impressive number. And most recently, he grappled against Ben Askren. Ben Askren is also thought of as one of the greatest grapplers in the UFC. And he recently retired following his uh, submission loss to Damien Maya. And it's pretty clear what Maya wants to do in a fight. He wants to get it to the ground and wants and wants to work on his submission attempts and try to get the fighter out of there. And in Damien Maya's career, he has nine submission victories by a rear naked choke. So we'll see if that happens once again against Gilbert Burns. And then moving on to Gilbert Burns' record... Gilbert Burns is 17-3, and, and out of those 17 wins, 5 have come by knockout, 8 by submission, and 4 by decision. So what these numbers show me is that Gilbert Burns can get it done 
either on the feet or on the ground with his great grappling game and great jiu-jitsu game that he comes back as being a Brazilian fighter and learning those fundamentals from an early age. And he's coming off actually four straight victories. The first one was over Olivier Abin Mercier, and that was a unanimous decision win. And then he followed that up with a submission rear naked choke win over Mike Davis. And then after that, a unanimous decision win over Alexei Konuchenko. And most recently, he's coming off a unanimous decision win over the very game and very skilled opponent in Gunnar Nelson. And that fight was back in September of 2019. So Burns will now be making his return to the ring, excuse me, the octagon, against one of the greatest grapplers in UFC history in Damian Maya. But Burns is no slouch himself on the mat. As I said before, eight wins by submission. And he his most recent loss came to Dan Hooker, and that was by KO Punches. And that loss came in July of 2018. So hopefully Burns has learned from his mistakes and is a better fighter for it. And with an impressive win over a very skilled opponent in Gunnar Nelson most recently, he should be going into his fight against Damian Mayo with a lot of confidence. And this should be a really great back and forth action battle. I expect some of it to be contested on the mat. I also expect Gilbert Burns to want to keep it on the feet and see if he can land that knockout punch on Damian Maya. And I would never really count Damian Maya out of any fight because as we've seen at any point during the fight, he can end it with a slick submission victory with 14 submission victories in his career. That's a very impressive number. And looking at the odds for this fight, Burns is a slight favorite at minus 180, while Damien Maya is a slight underdog at plus 150. And actually, when you look at the takedown accuracy of these two fighters, surprisingly, Gilbert Burns has the higher takedown accuracy at 38.98%, while his opponent, Damien Maya, is a little bit lower at 25.90%. So this shows me that Maya likes to go for a lot of takedowns, but isn't necessarily always successful in in getting those takedowns. And then Burns, uh, these numbers show me that Burns is a very powerful fighter that's willing to scrap both on the feet or on the mat, depending on where the fight goes. And watching the tape of Burns, it seems like he's very powerful. He looks very youthful in there. Like he can uh, still generate a lot of power. And I think he's going to have more knockout power. And he might have a slight speed advantage over Damian Maya in their fight. However, if this fight does get to the ground for any length, lengthy period of time, I definitely think that's to Maya's advantage because he is an absolute wizard with his submissions. So we'll see how that plays out. But for this pick, I am going to have to go with Gilbert Burns getting the win here. And I'm going to say by unanimous decision, just because I think he'll be able to have the speed advantage and will most likely be able to mitigate any of Damian Maya's ground attacks because of 
his great uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu background that he comes from. And uh, learning those fundamentals should really help him against an absolute master in Damian Maia. So tune into that fight. And as I said, Gilbert Burns is my pick by unanimous decision. And then moving on to the main event, we have Kevin Lee taking on Charles Oliveira. Looking at the odds for this fight, Kevin Lee checks in as a slight favorite at minus 140. His Brazilian opponent, Charles Oliveira, checks in at a slight underdog at plus 110. And this is a lightweight main event. And Kevin Lee is 27, 5, 9, 155 pounds with a 77-inch reach. His opponent, Charles Oliveira, is 30, 5, 10, 155 pounds with a 74-inch reach. And looking at the... Their, their numbers are actually very similar to each other. Kevin Lee has a significant strike accuracy of 42.53%, while his opponent, Oliveira, has an accuracy of 50.68%, so a little higher there for Oliveira. And looking at their takedown accuracy, it's almost identical with Kevin Lee having a 42.71% takedown accuracy, while his opponent, Charles Oliveira, has a 42.86% takedown accuracy. So we'll see where this fight goes. And I think Oliveira will really want to get to this fight to the ground to mitigate the striking attacks and explosive movements of Kevin Lee. As this is a five-round fight, I really do think that favors Oliveira because he does seem to have the better stamina. And as he is the less explosive fighter, he'll be able to conserve his energy better if this fight does indeed reach the later rounds. And looking at Kevin Lee's record, he is 18-5. Out of those 18 wins, only 3 have come by knockout, 8 by submission, and 7 by decision, with 5 losses. And his most recent fight, he got a KO, beautiful head kick win over... Gregor Gillespie and that was in the first round which was back in November of 2019 and it was it was in his return to lightweight and in his previous fight he attempted to move up to 170 pounds and taking on Rafael Dos Anjos but he lost that fight via submission arm triangle choke in the fourth round and before that, he suffered another unanimous decision loss to Al Iaquinta. But he did get an impressive victory over Edson Barbosa. And he's also beat Michael Chiesa. So he is a pretty decent fighter. But two losses to Al Iaquinta. And then a loss to Tony Ferguson and Rafael Dos Anjos made Kevin Lee rethink his future in the sport and he decided to move back down to lightweight 155 pounds and I do think that is a better weight for Kevin Lee as he doesn't have to worry about fighting 
a guy that's going to be so much bigger than him, like Rafael Dos Anjos, who just proved to be too big for Kevin Lee and his uh, submission game ended up being what decided the fight. So hopefully Kevin Lee has worked on his grand game since that loss because he's really going to need it against Charles Oliveira, who is an absolute fantastic grappler and can really submit a fighter at any point during the fight. And moving on to Charles Oliveira's record, he is currently has 28 wins and 8 losses and won no contest. And his most recent loss came to Paul Felder, and that was back in 2017. So he's on quite the win streak most recently. He beat Clay Guida, then Christos Gaigos, Jim Miller, David Timer, Nick Lentz, and most recently he beat Jared Gordon by KO Punches. And that was in the first round, which was back in November of 2019. So now he'll be making his return to the octagon, coming off six straight wins, which is really quite an impressive win streak, considering where he was before, suffering some losses to Anthony Pettis, Ricardo Lamas, and then most recently, Paul Felder. So it's clear that Oliveira is a very talented fighter, and he only loses to very quality opposition. And his record is 28 wins. Eight of those are by knockout. 18 are by submission. Two are by decision. So this shows me that Oliveira is an excellent ground fighter with a brilliant Brazilian jiu-jitsu game. And he really can lock in the submissions at any point during the fight, so we'll see how well Kevin Lee does in thwarting the submission attempts of Charles Oliveira, and as Kevin Lee is the more explosive athlete, he'll really want to keep this fight on the feet and attempt to really wear down Oliveira with his punching and also his kicking, and Oliveira is really a very crafty fighter in there, quite slight of build, and having fought professionally since 2008, Oliveira has a wealth of experience to draw on going in against a very tough opponent and Kevin Lee, a slight favorite. Both fighters are coming off great knockout wins, so both fighters will really want to keep their positive momentum going in this lightweight division But of course, we know at the top of the lightweight division, the king is Khabib Nurmagomedov, and both Oliveira and Kevin Lee are a few steps below the skill level of Nurmagomedov, so this fight really has no consequence on the overall lightweight title picture, but it should be a very competitive fight between two very evenly matched opponents. But in this fight, I think I'm going to have to go with Kevin Lee to get the win here. I think he's just going to be the more explosive and more powerful striker in there against Oliveira. And I think he'll be able to thwart most of Oliveira's submission attempts. And I see most of this fight being contested on the feet. So I'll go with Kevin Lee here by fourth round TKO victory 
over Charles Oliveira. I think his overall fighting style and his explosive movements may be too much for Oliveira to handle over the course of the fight. So I'll go with Kevin Lee here. And as I said earlier, fourth round TKO victory. I think he'll really be able to wear on Oliveira because he'll have the strength advantage and he should be able to use that to win the fight as Kevin Lee is absolutely huge for the 155 pound division and you can understand why he wanted to move up to 170 to see if he would have more success there but at 155 pounds with his build and with his uh, overall strength and size he's really going to have those advantages over most of his opponents and against the slighter Charles Oliveira that will once again be the case as Oliveira is quite a slight fighter and can be prone to being overpowered in there as we've seen in previous fights against Paul Felder and Max Holloway. So make sure to tune in to UFC Fight Night Lee vs. Oliveira. It should really be one of the strongest fight cards so far this year and my two picks are going to be Kevin Lee and Gilbert Burns to get the wins there so tune into those fights as well as the rest of the card because it's a very strong fight card if you look at it we have Trinaldo fighting McDessie, Johnny Walker fighting Nikita Krylov and then uh, Renato Moicano fighting had 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 Zavich and then the co-main event Damian Baia taking on Gilbert Burns and Kevin Lee taking on Charles Oliveira and all of the fights on this fight card will feature at least one Brazilian fighter in each of the fights so make sure to tune into that fight card because it's going to be a great night of fights that will feature a lot of the best Brazilian fighters in the UFC so you're not going to want to miss that. It's one of the strongest fight cards of the year. So I really do recommend tuning in. Now, moving on from the UFC and back into boxing. On March 14th from New York on ESPN, we have a title fight between Shakur Stevenson taking on Miguel Mariaga 12 rounds for Stevenson's WBO featherweight title and looking at the odds for this fight Shakur Stevenson is a huge favorite at minus 3500 Miguel Mariaga is a huge underdog at plus 1200 so we'll see if those odds do end up being correct because I think this could be a closer fight than the odds indicate indicate and Miguel Mariaga is really a veteran of the sport with only losses to the very best in boxing. And looking at his record, Miguel Mariaga is a Colombian fighter and he's challenged for three world titles in the past and will look to make it four against the champion in Shakur Stevenson. And looking at Miguel Mariaga's boxing record, he has 26 wins and three losses. And those three losses have come to Vasily Lomachenko, Oscar Valdez, and Nicholas Walters. All those fighters 
are very very quality fighters, and it shows them Miguel Mariagan can usually beat the guys that are at his level or below his level, as he does have 26 wins, and 22 have come by knockout and four by decision. So this shows that Miguel Mariaga is definitely no slouch, and no wonder that Shakur Stevenson should be overlooking because he's a very veteran fighter, a very quality fighter that has been in with the the best of the sport and will definitely have the experience advantage over Shakur Stevenson, who is much younger, but he's also shown great boxing skills in his recent fights. And looking at his boxing record, he is undefeated with 13 wins and zero losses. And most recently, He's coming off a unanimous decision win over Joette Gonzalez, and that was back in October of 2019. And there's no doubt that the fight against Miguel Mariaga will be the best opponent that Shakur Stevenson, the former Olympic gold medalist for the USA, has faced in his career because Mariaga has been in with the best in the sport and Shakur Stevenson is really going to have his hands full trying to keep the oncoming forward pushing Mariaga at bay. But early on in his career, Stevenson has shown excellent boxing skills that belie his young age. As Shakur Stevenson right now is only 22 years old, but really he has a lot of options with where he can go in his career. And a big win over Miguel Mariaga would do a lot for his confidence and a lot uh, to make top rank and ESPN put on more main events behind this great young American fighter in Shakur Stevenson. So we'll see how he does against Mariaga, who's going to be a very tricky veteran opponent that knows all the tricks of the game. And Shakur Stevenson's going to have to be very focused and keep behind his jab and look to land some beautiful body punches on Mariaga because I think he will have success going to the body of his opponent and then going up to the head after that in order to weaken the very durable Mariaga. So we'll see how that goes, and I'm going to go with a unanimous decision win for Shakur Stevenson here. I think he'll have the speed advantage. He'll have the youth advantage. He may also have the punching power advantage. As Shakur Stevenson has 13 wins, 7 of those have come by knockout, and 6 by decision. So we'll see if he can indeed get a stop to this fight, but I am predicting this fight does go the distance, and that Shakur Stevenson does get a unanimous unanimous decision win over the great Miguel Mariaga, who's going to be a very tough opponent. Shakur Stevenson is 22 years old. He's 5 foot 8 and he has a 68 inch reach and his opponent Miguel Mariaga is 33 years old, 5 foot 8 with a 67 inch reach. So their measurables are very similar. However, Mariaga is 11 years older and all those wars in the ring that he's been with may finally start catching up to him and we'll see how he looks against Shakur Stevenson who's going to have to be focused and work behind his jab in order to land that power punches that he's going to need 
to really make a statement and show why he is indeed the next star in boxing. And we'll see if that indeed plays out against Mariaga. It should be a very competitive fight, one that the odds do not really dictate. But I'm going to predict that it's a competitive back-and-forth fight. But ultimately, Stevenson wins too many of the rounds with his all-around ring brilliance and his speed advantage. And also, I believe he might have the slight punching power advantage. So we'll see how that plays out against two opponents that are both really wanting to win this fight for different reasons. Mariaga is going to want to win this fight to really just try to hang on and perhaps win that world title that he has not won before. And then for Shakur Stevenson, this fight could really be a star making performance for him and really catapult him into more big fights in the future, maybe against a Tiafimo Lopez or a Vasily Lomachenko, depending on how he looks against Miguel Mariaga. So you're going to want to tune into that fight card. It's going to be on ESPN, as I mentioned before, and that will be on March 14th. Well, thank you so much for listening, my fellow believers. This will conclude episode number nine of Combat Bets on the Believe Network. And before I sign off here, I just wanted to remind all my listeners to stay safe out there with the coronavirus pandemic that is suddenly affecting not only the people that are affected by it, but also the sports world. As we just heard that the NBA is suspending games until the foreseeable future and that there's uh, there was a Champions League game played earlier today between uh, Paris Saint-Germain and Borussia Dortmund played without fans. So we'll likely see more of that in the future. Luckily for us fight fans, however, that the UFC Fight Night card coming up on March 14th and then also the boxing card with uh, Shakur Stevenson and Miguel Mariaga headlining that card. Luckily, those fights are still on and have not been canceled yet because of the coronavirus. And hopefully no other fights get canceled because of this terrible virus. So hopefully everyone out there is staying safe and taking the necessary precautions as they deem necessary. But in the meantime, we have some great fights to look forward to as we make sense of this situation that we couldn't really have foreseen coming, but now it's here and the sports world has definitely taken their precautions. So everyone should really be taking similar measures to reduce the risk of contracting this coronavirus. I just wanted to get that out there before I signed off. So thank you so much for listening, my fellow believers. I'm your host, Jason Barron. Kobe forever, Mamba forever. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy this weekend's fights and check back next week for the next episode. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.